Welcome to Metro 30, the Metro Monthly's weekly conversation with the community. Welcome to Metro 30. I'm your host, Mark Paco. Today we have Shelley Blundell from YSU's Journalism Program and John Strand, a journalist and recent graduate in the program there. Welcome to the show, Shelley and John. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We got some really bad news this week. Uh, the Vindicator announced that it would close this August after 150 years in publishing. How did you, you react to the news, Shelley? Um, I was quite shocked at first. In fact, two of the people that I immediately text messaged were uh, Dr. Adam Earnhardt, the chair of the Department of Communication, and Dr. Mary Beth Earnhardt, the program coordinator for the journalism program at YSU, because I was so stunned. It, my first thought was, oh, my goodness, what does this mean for us? And, John, how did you react? Yeah, initially I was really shocked. Um, I was sort of... I, like I said, initially I was shocked, but then eventually I was sort of like excited about the uncertainty. Actually, I don't I don't know what it is, but it kind of excited me. Like, I mean, I know it means a lot of jobs are lost and what have you, but I just feel like it could also mean the beginning of something else that could be exciting. Now, for both of you, what is happening in the community that you know about to address uh, this recent development? I do know that this evening, uh, and today is Tuesday, July 2nd, at the Mahoning Valley Historical Society, I believe there will be a community forum at 6 p.m., spearheaded by some folks from the Vindicator and by the Department of Communication. It's an open-to-the-public community forum just to discuss the ramifications of the Vindicator closing and what may happen in the community moving forward. Now, we have the professional side because you come, you know, you, you're in the journalism program, but everyday people also are concerned about the loss of the newspaper. What, what do you think uh, an average person in, in Youngstown can do to either participate in this or, or provide some meaningful input? In any endeavor like this, and I've seen quite a few markets where newspapers have either closed entirely or almost entirely decimated their forces, community support for keeping the paper open is integral. And I think it starts with letters to the editor talking about what the vindicator has meant to a person's life or even in a family's life, the Vindy, the Vindy being 150 years old definitely some family legacies, you know, subscriptions. I've heard of subscriptions to the Vindicator being passed down in wills before. So I think a community letter writing campaign and even to organizations like city council, maybe even at the state and national level, impressing the importance of keeping that paper of public record open and available for the community is integral to moving this forward in some kind of community initiative way. Now, everybody may not know what the term the paper of record means. Could you explain that a little bit? Sure. Paper of record means the journalism institution that serves as a check and balance for local, state, regional, and national power, but it establishes within the historical record those items that may otherwise not necessarily be known by the community. So, city council minutes, zoning meeting minutes, all those somewhat dry and droll things that we may not necessarily think about that affect our lives, that have a substantial impact on our everyday lives and the way that we live them. A paper of record makes sure that that information is reported on and retained as a part of the community's historical legacy. 
Okay. Now, a daily newspaper has a unique role in American society. What do you think its most important role is? I would say there are two, the first being the check and balance and keeping that historical record current and going and providing a check and balance for that record so that things that could have a substantial negative impact on the community don't go unchallenged or unreported on. But I think the second factor that we don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to is this idea of communal memory. So a paper or any kind of media organization as long established as the Vindicator is keeping and holding that community memory because they are immersed in the community, because they notice subtle changes in the everyday that the average community member may not notice. They can report on items that might otherwise go unacknowledged or maybe that don't receive the important coverage that it deserves. A paper of record is able to note those changes and bring that to the community in a way that forces us to sit down and pay attention to it. Now, John, what do you think the important roles of a newspaper, the Vindicator? I think the important role of the Vindicator was definitely investigative reporting. I, I know we won't necessarily become a news desert if it's gone because we still have things like the Business Journal and WFMJ and WKBN. But I think their stories, are they, they can only report the news with in an hour's time span. So what you're going to lose is you're going to lose very in-depth information. And it's I think what it's going to do is cause people, just everybody in Youngstown to possibly just be less knowledgeable on certain things. And it's just for records purposes, obviously, we're saying. Now, there there are some not-so-obvious negatives about a daily paper shutting down. What are some things that you know from your background, Shelley, that that maybe the general person might not know about a negative? In terms of unseen losses, I think one of the biggest losses that is incurred by a community when a paper like The Vindicator closes down is there's a significant loss of, and I hate to put it this way, but of marketing and advertising for smaller grassroots organizations, small local businesses, any of those entities that maybe could not afford to have their names or their brands advertised at substantial cost not that it's a pay-to-play kind of thing, but local newspapers tend to cover organizations that are doing good and that are providing um, a community service as a part of their community memory, legacy, historical record establishment. And I think that's one of the things that is a huge loss to a community is when that venue for those outlets or those organizations no longer exists. Do you think there are things that people haven't even thought about yet that are these these quiet or hidden losses that we should really look out for? Absolutely. Um, John touched on it earlier, the loss of jobs. We're not just talking about the reporters for The Vindicator. We're talking about the people who run the presses. We're talking about the people who maintain the website, the people who are involved in creating and soliciting ads and circulation for the website, the people who deliver the papers, so many people in and around the Valley are going to be affected by this that I would say maybe not comparable to, but in league with the jobs that were lost when the Lordstown GM plant closed. I think this is going to be a significant hit in terms of jobs in the Mahoning Valley area. Well, how does the situation at the Vindicator, how will that affect the YSU's journalism program? First and foremost, I think we have lost or we will lose a significant 
driver or competitor, if you will. Something we talk a lot about with our journalism students is because YSU is the biggest business in Youngstown, our local media affiliates, although we have great relationships with a lot of them and a lot of our students are now either employed with them or doing internships with them, we also compete with them for stories, for content, for news. And the Vindicator is something that we have had a great relationship with for a long time, but we've also had great relationships with journalists there. They're a partner with us. They come in and talk to our students about the realities of reporting in a 21st century environment. But our students also look to them as a model for the things they should be aspiring to. So I think we've lost them as an encouraging or driving competitive force, but also as a model of what good investigative journalism in this valley in particular could be. Well, John, you're a recent graduate, so this affects you in a different way, too, because it's a loss of a potential employment opportunity. But what are your thoughts on on the the loss of the vindicator? Um, It makes me... For me, I'm my classmates. I, I wonder. I I can't really assume for them, but I, it makes me sort of want to just. I always wanted to work in the city eventually in the media, but now it makes me sort of want to travel a little bit of distance. And I wonder if maybe this will mean kids entering the journalism program, but they'll be less hesitant to enter the journalism program. But I also know that in um, Shelley's, one of Shelley's new media journalism classes, we, one of the things we learned was that the positions we have in the future probably won't even exist today. So if you go into the program, you're going to eventually learn that, I mean, it, you don't even know what your position might be in the future. But it's Okay, well, it's, it sounds like, you know, things are uncertain. And, and the industry is in flux, though, too, because a lot of, there's been, there have been a lot of consolidations. The Vindicator isn't the first newspaper that it has closed, and but it's interesting to see the amount of coverage that it's received, almost like it's a harbinger of future things. And we're also moving into a new political season, so it's getting a lot of front burner treatment too. But you know, so it's it's been a national story though too. Uh, but I want to go to this idea that people in the community have a love hate relationship with their daily newspaper. Uh, is is that because there's an intimate relationship between the reader and the paper, or is it something else? I think it's a little bit of both. I think for a lot of people, especially um, families where the Vindicator, where a publication like the Vindicator has been around for so long, there are always going to be things that we heartily agree with, and there are always going to be things that we vehemently disagree with. But that, to me, is the hallmark of a quality paper. When you read good, well-founded investigative journalism, it should move you to feel something. If all you do is just read it and go, huh, well, that was interesting, and move on with your day, that's not really the kind of news that we are training our students to do in the YSU journalism program. It's also not the kind of news we like to consume. That's the news that you sort of absorb and move on with your life. So I think that love-hate relationship is very much cultivated by that dynamic, truly brain-poking coverage that papers like The Vindicator have provided people. And that that idea of intimacy, that communal memory, again, with Um, with families, with regular consumers of local media is very apt in terms of love-hate, just like 
one day you're not talking to Uncle Mike because he brought your car back without gas in, and then next week he brought you a full dinner when you weren't feeling great. It's kind of the same thing with a local paper that we may not always like them or appreciate them, but I think a lot of people recognize the role that that paper plays in a community. Well, just just thinking back, though, uh, can you cite some examples where the Vindicator really, really stood out as doing something that really you know, was remarkable. And, and I'm not saying that you know, those are few and far between, but can you think of specific examples that illustrate that? Um, well, one specific example I can think of a couple of years ago, John's going to have to help me out with the name because, of course, it's just immediately flown out of my mind. A couple of years ago when a man who was standing trial for um, alleged sexual assault of a young child and also standing trial for allegedly setting on fire the house where the young girl was living with her grandparents and all three of them perished, I believe, in the blaze. There was um, a moment where he was being transported across the courthouse. It was during a hearing to move venues, I believe, and he leapt from a third-story balcony to his death. I can't remember his name. Maybe John will. But the vindicator chose to run the courthouse footage of him leaping from the balcony. It didn't show the moment of impact. It just showed the jump being made. And I remember at that time in new media, some of my students were absolutely horrified by that. So we reached out to Todd Franco, the editor-in-chief at The Vindicator, and said, hey, we we have questions about why you chose to run this. Can you come in uh, and chat to us about this and talk to us about this opinion? And I ran an informal poll with my students right before he came in asking them how many of you in a similar position would have made the choice to run that video. And with the exception of one student, everybody said, absolutely not. We would not have run that video. And after discussing it with Todd and him explaining the discussions that were around showcasing the video in that way, we did the poll again. And with the exception of two students, everyone in the class said, yes, they would have run the video. So I think that that entire discussion that went around that and the sensitivity they needed to show while also reporting the news was absolutely astounding and incredible and my students certainly agreed. Um, I think for me, what's incredible for me is right now I think the, the staff working knowing that they're going to be losing their jobs at the end of August, I sort of think that's it's admirable. It's, they, they continue to do great work currently just knowing their future I mean, it's. I mean, the, their future is bleak for, in terms of the vindicator. But I, I don't think any journalist goes into the, the reporting knowing they don't. I don't think they go into it thinking they're going to make a lot of money. But I think some of them might going in to go into it thinking they have some sort of steady job. So my hats off to the current reporters of the vindicator. Agreed. Yeah, that. Re- I mean, that really is admirable because they're working on you know, with a timeline, you know, with an end point. And, and to be able to do that, that really takes a lot of, it shows how professional they are to do that. Absolutely. Is there anything else either one of you would like to add to the discussion about the Vindicator and, and maybe even tonight's event? Um, well, maybe not necessarily to add, but I have a question for you, Mark, mm-hmm. in your auspicious role as editor of Metro Monthly. What do you feel a potential closing of the Vindicator is going to do to publications like Metro Monthly or other media outlets in and around the Mahoning Valley? Well, you know, I, I, I've 
thought about that a lot, and I've thought about different things as you know as this week has has gone on, and last week too. And I, I think what we have to do is we have to look at really what are the most critical things that have to be written about and discussed in the community. And that may even take us out of the realm of just straight reporting. It it may necessitate the fortification of community groups that could address issues and then they take it, you know, as a force to to television or somewhere else like that. But I remember, like, the Citizens League, for example, they were a good government group that disbanded about maybe 10 years ago, and they had the role of really evaluating candidates. And I think there was a little bit of tension between them and the Vindicator because the Vindicator, of course, had its view, and I think they saw them in some cases as being, you know, it was their opinion, too, and they just, you know, they didn't want to have that. It was a little bit of a power thing, but... um, you might need to have an organization like that revive because you need to have a lot of different entities really safeguarding this community. This community has a history of corruption. Uh, there's people, there are people that depend on the information that they have to know where to find it, and you have to what your, figure out what your role is in that. And I'm thinking about that, what my role is too, and uh, think about you know what I need to do and think about you know I'm thinking about what other people need to do too. So I think right now it's almost too soon to really talk about a lot of stuff, but even the form that we're in right now radio reading service depends on news information. So they have to evaluate things too. So it's not just the news people that are looking at it, it's the people on the receiving end that really have to look at how they're going to stay informed in a, you know in a community like Youngstown, but Part of me thinks, too, having these television stations here that are news gatherers really makes it makes it less of a blow to the community because you do have, do have those people doing crime reporting and things like that. But there is a daily, you know, a daily does what no other th- entity can do. It has a dedicated staff and, and they're out there every day. And they have relationships that they've built with the police department and, you know, and administrations at the university. And uh, all that is, you know, you can't just let that go away because it really is important to understanding what's going on in your community. Great. I have one more question for you, and I think this is for both you and John, you know, because always be selling as far as <laughs> our journalism program is concerned. John said something very early in this interview about how he was almost excited by the uncertainty of what's going to happen now that there is this looming threat of a daily going away um, in terms of the journalism program at YSU and even opportunities for journalism students. Do you think this does open an opportunity for student media? And if so, what kind of opportunities do you think it opens? And Mark, you can answer first. Well, I, I think back to the example of the Michigan Daily, which was the student newspaper of the University of Michigan. And you have to keep in mind, though, that it's a, it's a, it's a larger place and everything. And it, but it was it was a, a paper that was read by people in the newsroom. And, and this is the other thing, too, though, is that people at the Vindicator always read the jam bar. And maybe the Jambar has to expand its days of publication. Maybe it needs to add another day. Or maybe YSU needs to have a more formal internship program where they have two interns at every 
media source in this area. Uh, I, I thought about that, that, you know, I, I mean, I have interns on occasion and, but I don't do, I only do it when they approach me. Like, and I think if we had a more institutionalized program, uh, where we made sure that all these, these news outlets had students, I think that would really help both, both sides. Great. Thanks for that. John? Yeah, I think for the student, students in the journalism program, I think this kind of promotes them to think big. I mean, I think you should always write your stories with, like, good intent and understand that people are going to read it. But I think specifically now people will, will be really reading things like the jam bar and stuff. So I don't... I, that's that's like where my like excitement comes from because I I just I mean I see it as an opportunity I don't know if that's selfish a little bit but I just see I just see like it sort of like an open market and I think even students who haven't graduated yet I think they sh- I hope they see that too I hope they just take their job seriously I hope they write with intent you know there have been examples where newspapers have gone and looked at a nonprofit model in order to be viable. Uh, what do you think of that idea, Shelley? I think a nonprofit model can certainly be viable, and there have certainly been examples of long-time publications like Mother Jones and Consumer Reports that thrive in that nonprofit model. But I think if we're hypothetically talking about what would it take to save the vindicator, particularly for this area, I really think it needs to be a grassroots, community-driven, everybody on the same side endeavor. Going back to that idea of the love-hate relationship, it's kind of like, well, I don't always agree with you, but I believe that you're important to my life as a whole, so I need to do something. So not just letters to the editor talking about the vindicator and the role it plays in the lives of people, but people supporting what it means to have a paper of record in a community, and it's something that needs to be supported by everybody from residents of the valley to businesses to government and not from a purchasing perspective like now you're going to cover the news that I want, which I think is the fear some people have when people get involved from a nonprofit perspective or from a sponsorship perspective, but from a we appreciate the value you add to our lives perspective and move toward that kind of thing. And how would a nonprofit newspaper how would that work um, I'm thinking I'm like really digging back into my memory bases now uh, about let's say seven or eight years ago uh, when I worked as a assistant librarian for the Akron Beacon Journal which at that time had been bought by black media and there was a huge initiative and a number of people at the Beacon Journal lost their jobs during that time. There was discussion at that time about making the Akron Beacon Journal a nonprofit organization and having them sponsored by the Knott Foundation, which would then turn it into a community entity. In terms of if the Vindicator were to go nonprofit, I think it starts with creating this groundswell movement of support. I think any nonprofit to survive needs community support. Otherwise, it's going to be dead in the water before it begins. But I think something else that we need to pay attention to, particularly from this area, is recognizing that there are still significant issues in the valley that need to be counted. Um, A lot of people living in poverty, a lot of poorer areas who really need health and support. And I think reaching out to regional or even national nonprofit media organizations like Pointer for guidance and support and potentially even financial inlay would definitely be 
a model that they need to move toward adopting. Well, do you think that there's an appetite for that, or do you think that it's something that is uh, maybe not even, you don't understand what the support could be for that? I think it would definitely be worth a look. I mean, you do have a research partner in YSU just down the street. I think there would be professors or maybe even students who would be interested in maybe helping the Vindi run some support some support or some focus groups or even just doing community surveys to find out, let's say, if we had to add $5 in taxes a year to your overall tax income base to keep the vindicator running, is that something that you would be for or against? Again, going back to that idea of the intimacy between the vindicator and the community, I will speculate that there will be a significant amount of support. But even from the community level, if there are people who aren't in a position to contribute financially, that's where I think that slack needs to be picked up by the local government and by small businesses and other community organizations that are around. They serve a public service as well. Long, many moons ago when I used to cover local meetings and I would be the sole person in the room outside of the board members, even though it's just you know, the few of us talking about important local government issues, those conversations need to be had. They affect our everyday lives. And without having someone in your community who is regularly doing those things and reporting back to you, you're going to lose a significant factor that impacts your life on an everyday basis. Okay, well, uh, John and Shelley, thank you for your valuable input. And we'll look at the story as it continues to develop, though, too. Thanks for having us. Metro 30 is produced in collaboration with the Youngstown Radio Reading Service. Visit metromonthly.net for news, features, and the Valley's most complete calendar of events. And be sure to subscribe to the Metro 30 podcast.